Hello and welcome to the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris and I'm joined as always by my wonderful co-host Lee. Hello. And uh, we, we just watched some samurais fuck up some motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> how else do we jump into that? <laughs> we sure did. Yeah. But uh, how, are you, how are you doing, Lee? How, how's your week been? Yeah, it's been good. Hectic, but good. Hectic, yeah. What yeah, about we are. you? I think you've got another story for me, maybe. I do. We'll get into that. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's been good. Nice weekend. Uh, drunkenly, happily recording a Shaun of the Dead commentary track on Patreon. So, so drunkenly. It was great. Yeah, it was what, great. what better way to, like, get together with friends and watch that film rather than, like... Head to the Winchester, have a couple of pints. <laughs> Wait for it to all blow over. Yeah. So, but other than that, uh, I have a little bit of info, some follow-up. Yes. From our last episode. Yes, I'm excited. So, in our last episode, for those of you that one reason or another kind of skimmed across that one, uh, I opened last week by telling a story about my dentist <laughs> <laughs> and how he thought Lucille Ball wrote Star Wars. <laughs> It's probably my favourite story of the year so far. It, it, it was bonkers. Um, yeah, so there's an abbreviated version we've made a video of that's up on our Instagram and things and over on the Patreon, so you can have a look at the truncated version of the story there. But rightfully so, um, I did a little bit of uh, diving deeper onto that story because I'm like, this, there's got to be something that informs someone that way. Like, when we recorded, it was like a day or two after the dentist trip, and so it was like fresh in my mind. And uh, we even had a listener, an old-time listener, uh, going way back, uh, Brian hit us up and said, um, your dentist is mostly wrong, uh, but not all the way wrong. Yes. So, the plot thickens. <laughs> I've got to say, I um, was telling this story at work, and I think I know where you're going with this. Oh, yes. Yes. Please tell us more. So... At Desi Lu Studios, uh, so the studio that was eventually bought out by Paramount and this big buy over and things, uh, Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball. Uh, Lucille ran the creative side and Desi ran all of the business side. Uh, that meant basically that Lucille Ball had the final say on all new shows and productions that came through the studio. Uh, she helped Greenlight and get things made like The Andy Griffiths Show, The Dick Van Dyke Show, and Star Trek. Aha, the plot thickens. Mm. So apparently Star Trek was in pre-production at the studio and uh, Lucille had only heard the title and she loved it (laughs) because she thought it was a show about travelling stars of USO tours going across overseas to entertain the troops. So Star Trek. Wonderful. I love this. She was a former USO performer herself and so she loved the idea Without having actually read it, <laughs> and just assuming that's what it was, and she pushed the uh, she pushed against all the other executives, and were like, "We we need to make this," and the other executives were eventually like, "Do you know it's actually science fiction? This is what it's about," and she said. Oh, that sounds good too. We'll just keep it going. <laughs> she didn't want to acknowledge that she hadn't I read guess. it. I She was like, sounds great. Just keep it going anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and because of that, without Lucille, Bo- without Lucille Ball, we wouldn't have Star Trek. Oh. So he, my dentist was mostly wrong. Mostly. But kind of right at the same time. <laughs> grandfather or grandma going, you know, the Star Trek when they mean Star Wars or vice yeah. versa. You know, the hobbits, how they have to travel to Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> to fight Voldemort with the One Ring. <laughs> it's like just getting like, your pop culture muddled that yeah, little bit. So, yeah. yeah, so that's that's the update on my uh, weird old dentist's uh, pop culture knowledge. Now the question is, when I go back for a checkup, do I raise this as he was wrong? I reckon we have to have some listener votage on that yeah, one. Yeah, let me know if I bring this up or if I just kind of possibly coax him for some other, yes, like... Yes, tell what, me more. What is your, like, Peter Biskin, like, <laughs> Easy Riders Raging Bulls stories? Yes. Like, keep it going. What, what yes. else have you got? What's your history of Hollywood? Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to read your 700-page book on the history of Hollywood. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I love yeah. it. So that, that's our update, but, um, yeah. My God, what yeah. what a whirlwind! <laughs> I know. Good on you, Brian. Yeah. Uh, well, on that note, do we jump into Sword of Doom? Sword of Doom. Uh, from 1966, uh, Kihachi Okamoto's film. Uh, the Criterion synopsis is: 
Tatsuya Nakadai and Toshiro Mifune star in the story of a wandering samurai who exists in a maelstrom of violence. A gifted swordsman uh, plying his craft during the turbulent final days of the shogunate rule in Japan. Rinosuke uh, Nakadai uh, kills without remorse or mercy. It's a way of life that ultimately leads to madness. Hihachi Okamoto's swordplay classic is a thrilling tale of a man who chooses to devote his life to evil. Yes, that is right. Yeah. He's our Don Quixote. Our Don Quixote was just mad, though. Okay. You know, like, he, he was already crazy fighting yeah. windmills and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas this guy, like, yeah, that, that's... Got, it, it's an interesting one because it's not a bad parallel to pull, actually. Like it because it is about an essentially descent into madness and how the wandering warrior lifestyle imposes that on you, I guess. But yeah, yeah, it, it is fucking brutal. I yes, I've got to say we start off uh, introduced to him and we don't get a lot of backstory as to why he's like this. I don't know if there was something you picked up that I didn't, but Mm-mm. he just is. It just, this is how he is. Yeah, like the opening introduction to him is stumbling across an old man praying to a, a shrine at the top of a mountain that Buddha should put him out of his misery so he can finish his period. Like, essentially like an old man lamenting, like, fuck, I'm tired. Yeah. And he's like, all right, fine, murder. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And he clearly didn't want it because when our protagonist kills him, he's like, oh, oh. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's, it's like right from the get-go, he is just... A wandering cunt. <laughs> like, I can't yes. think of a better way to describe him. Yeah. He is just a horrible asshole of a person. Yes. Who, I I wonder, the thing that made me interested was, like, is, is his evilness a misguided interpretation of what it means to be a samurai? Or mm. is that just the kind of innateness of his soul is kind of poisoned? I... It's interesting you brought up soul because that's really what I think is going on behind the scenes here. Mm. I don't think he has a code or anything that he goes by. I just don't think... He's literally a psychopath. Yeah. He has no empathy. He, yeah, he's just a bad egg, you know. Mm. I don't think he's trying to live by something and, you know, that's what he thinks it is. I think he's just rotten, rotten at the core. He's just a broken human being and, like, through the years of kind of being in this lifestyle he is just poisoned and like but still like that's what's interesting how the the film has a couple of time jumps and when we start like we have like almost some like Tarantino-esque like chapter headings sections and you know our first one is like the incident at I forget where gate gate yes yeah and it's essentially like he is challenged to a duel at like this fencing school and it's like I will do that and you know it's that to me was like instantly I'm in with this film. Mm. I'm interested in what we're doing and it's an exploration of the psyche of like, that's what I mean. Like, did he start innately evil or is he just kind of by the evil natures of the things that like what he does makes him kind of poisoned. Yeah. Yeah. Because he just seems to be taking the samurai code so serious at the beginning. Yeah. The idea that I'm just, that's what you do. I, I, you don't back away from the duel. You have to be brutal. You have to be merciless. But, I mean, in saying that, you also forget that, you know, you guys kind of, like, mm. sexually assault some women and stuff. Like, yeah. you know, he is just... So, yeah. Hummer, we meet Hummer, and she is the wife of uh, the guy that... He, I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher everyone's uh, name. He's like the first Usugi. Yeah. brother, yeah. And she pleads to our protagonist, whose yep. name I can't pronounce. How do we say his name again? Uh, Ryosuke. Ryosuke. She goes and pleads to Ryosuke to not uh, fight her brother, sorry, husband. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> or to... <laughs> It's it's funny because his dad says the same thing. Can you lose gracefully? Because yeah, for all these reasons and oh. yeah, it's basically like you look. You this guy. It was like drew each other out of a hat for this battle thing. So mm. like this duel, like it's just a training duel. But at the same time, you will defeat this guy. He will become humiliated and it will put his family into destitution. Like don't don't be a dick. Yeah, essentially. What a and this guy's just alive. like, I'm not only going to be a dick, I'm going to be the biggest dick. Yeah. 
And so Hamas uh, says to him, please, please don't, you know, humiliate my... She starts with brother, which is interesting, but then... Uh, no. Accidentally yeah. says husband, but then says brother. Yeah, in the best line delivery of just like, you know, because he's my husband... Uh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing at that moment she's trying to seduce him as well. She knows what she's there for. Well, she's trying to, like, take it, like, that's one step removed, I guess, of, like, the ultimate personable nature of why she's coming it's you know it, it's yeah. like please don't murder my husband is a lot more severe than yeah just probably don't murder my brother yeah <laughs> so, yeah yeah um so Ryosuke by the way you... if my brother's listening I, I don't mean that <laughs> <laughs> Ryosuke takes Hammer for a good old time in the mill yeah, Much well, because he basically says, like, it's that wonderful analogy where he's like, um, you're asking a samurai to not, to abandon his sword, essentially, yes. to not live by the code of the sword. Uh, it's the equivalent of a woman giving up her chastity. Yes. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> Let's go to the mill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For some suggestive pounding imagery. I've got to say, I really liked how we didn't cut away, like... So many of these films, particularly the last one we watched, Young Tallest, we're like, I guess that was a rape scene? I, yeah. I, I don't know, was it? And this one, I thought it had. I thought it cut away and it cut back. I'm like, oh, no. No, no, no. No, nope, a rape is, scene. <laughs> yeah, this is what's going on here. This is um, some uh, non-consensual whoopee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I like. I find with, and especially this film, there's moments of... What's going on? What what is this? Oh, what, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah. Um. So it's not nice, but I'm glad we had that scene, so it wasn't. Uh, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. It, it it explicitly. Well, that's what's interesting. Um, Okamoto like does, especially at the beginning third of the film, he's very overt in his visual mm. storytelling. Like he's not leaving you behind as an audience. He's very much showing and telling you like this is our protagonist. Right off the bat, he's an unlikable piece of shit. Mm. Let's see his actions and let's like follow him through yes. and like you like I'm telling you everything you need to know about what's happening in these scenarios and yes. all these character motivations. Yes. And that slowly becomes something, for me at least, that dies off in the middle chunk of the film. Yeah. Definitely. And we'll get to the middle chunk, but I, I found myself lost quite a lot yeah. for the rest of the film. But um, we then have Ryonosuke um, have the jewel. I remember, what did I say when we were watching? It's very, um, not a lot of jewel, jewel, what did I Not a lot of jewelage. Not a lot of jewelage. <laughs> yeah. And then that more than made up for it, I think, at the <laughs> yeah, end. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we have the characters look and, you know, it's very slow and a lot of little close up on eyeballs and hands yeah. and sort of things. And then... It's like a one-strike blow end of the jewelage. <laughs> yeah. Um, at this point, I, I want to bring up... Um, I, I think both you and I were very primed at the beginning of this film, like with the samurai school, the training, the jewels, the the landscape and the beautiful mm. way the film is shot. Because you're playing Ghost of Tsushima at the moment, aren't I, you? I am. <laughs> I spent the first half of the day playing that and the second half watching this. Yeah, so... And this was a... It's a... The game that I... That got me through lockdown essentially mm. here in Melbourne. Like, I it's the first video game in a very long time I 100%ed. Yes. <laughs> nice. Playing in Kurosawa mode in yes. black and white with the subtitles. Beautiful. So, I, I think when it's like, oh, we're doing a samurai movie with like jewels and all, we're just like, hook it to my veins. Yeah. <laughs> like, something, I, I'm going to say, there's something fucking cool about a samurai movie. Oh, yeah. Especially the black and white ones. Mm. It's like. <sighs> I, I, as much as I love some of the more modern ones in colour, like, you know, Lady Snowblood, the Lone Wolf and Cub stuff, it's... There's just something about the, the like, late 50s, early 60s ones that yeah. is so... The, the grain on the film and everything, it just makes it so much better. Yes. It's, it's something... This film I wish I'd watched in the 90s from Blockbuster Video on VHS yeah. at midnight yeah. when I was, like, 11. Yes. Don't you reckon? You just... Oh, I, I, would you reckon you would have gotten through it, though? Uh, yeah. That middle chunk, it's a bit, yeah. I don't know. Maybe the background of a sleepover. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It's like, we're going to play yeah, Truth or Day while that's in the yeah. background. It's like, wait, he's murdering everybody Everyone, now. get back in here! <laughs> you see him cut his fucking hand off? Yeah. <laughs> 
totally. Yeah. There, there is something fucking cool about a cool samurai movie. And mm. this is, especially in these opening scenes, the sweet reveals. Yes. There's so many sweet reveals. Oh, it's so great. It's the thing of, like, someone steps out of frame and there's someone that has been, like, hiding behind them. And it's like the... <laughs> music it's like the really like leone western style reveals yeah. and there was a lot of play with the camera at the beginning of this film, oh yeah yeah which we don't really have for the rest i'm not I'm not, mean, not as much but yeah it, it takes a back seat but it's really in that first 20 25 minutes it's really like emphasizing like you know he'll say a line or like a look and it's like the dramatic push in and stuff like it's He's really using his flair behind the camera to accentuate the style of what's happening here. Yeah. And it all culminates in the jewel, which is done in one strike. Yes. And it's a training jewel, like they're using the kendo sticks. It's not actually even swords, but he still manages to fucking murder Murder the dude. (laughs) And how. Yeah. Um... I've got to say here, while we're talking about the training sticks, what are they called again? Uh, kendo sticks, I believe. Okay. I, I could be totally wrong on that. But so yeah. when we were like 18 or something and having drinks at Chris's house, Chris would... <laughs> Chris had one. Oh, yes, I did. Oh, and, yeah. I, and I remember like you saying, oh, um, they don't hurt. The training sticks. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, like, I don't think I got too messed up by them, but, you know, drunkly at 18. Yeah. <laughs> practice the samurai sword because well, they're hollow around. It, they're like unconnected beams that are held yeah. together through like uh, leather tape and it's hollow in the middle so and it's they supposed expand to... and like contract it yeah it's supposed to absorb the, the blow the blow yeah. so I remember chasing people around <laughs> slapping them across the back with that <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> at 18 thinking I was cool um, but anyway <clears throat> Uh, now I know you can kill someone with them. So if, if you get, it seems like you have to get them at that right point in the forehead that is. But it's only when they do a suki. What was it? The suki. The, 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 oh, what was it? Thrust. Yeah, the suki thrust is when. Oh my god. That's what. What do we? It sounds like a dance move a drunk uncle does at a wedding. Yeah, we, we were saying the suki thrust is like the the shitty like dad version of flossing. <laughs> Totally. Oh, come on, everybody. Let's, let's listen to some Phil Collins and do the Suki thrust. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, not, it's just not quite right. No. Some things don't translate well, do they? No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's the film, like, yeah, after the that initial training duel where it's like the... it's it, it it so perfectly explains how much of an asshole our mm. protagonist is. Uh, where it's like... Okay, I will. I'm gonna sleep with your wife, in a way, in a plea to be like, "Hey, she's come to me begging, like, not to kill you. I'm gonna sleep with her. Then I'm gonna kill you anyway. Yeah. And then your whole posse, like, your whole clan, is gonna come after me and be like, "No, that was pretty fucked up. You shouldn't have done that." And he's like, "I will murder you all." But then I get to do a sweet old boy corridor yeah. killing scene. It's fully the proto old boy shot, like Channel <laughs> Park ripped off sort of doom. <laughs> Where it's this beautiful, like, um, tracking shot just going, following him along this pathway as he murders everybody. Yeah. With this beautiful rolling fog coming in, and it's... It takes its time, which is great. And it's having the... That's why I love these old samurai movies. Like, having the balls and to just sit the camera back Mm. and let everything play out in a a meditated wide shot. Yeah, meditative is the word. But then also, like... I don't know if it was each one, but there was a few of these sort of scenes where all of a sudden we'd cut to hand chopped off or like yeah. something really fucked up, like really close up. And you just like, whoa. Hardcore violence. <laughs> yeah. For 1966. Yeah. So. I mean, this is already getting an R rating or whatever rating it was back then. Like, yeah. let's just fucking go for it. So you know? apparently it raised a bit of controversy and was ex- like it, it was considered hyper-violent, which, like, I've kind of... It it had ramifications for the film, which we'll kind of get into as we progress along through, I guess. But... I was interested in that. I was wondering that as we were watching this, how does this sit, like, yeah, with all that? But we'll get into that. Well, because this is around the same time. This is... I mean, and I should say, our our lead actor, he's been in a lot of Kurosawa films, like Jimbo Sanjiro and things. Like, Sanjiro in particular, it, there's the one brutally violent scene at the very end where it's the final duel and it's the slice and it's the Kill Bill-esque <laughs> fountain of blood pouring out. 
fun. And that is fucking shocking. But that's it for the entire film. Yes. And it's even, like, you think of Seven Samurai. Yes. People get are getting hit with swords, but you never see blood. People just oh. fall down and go like, <laughs> Whereas in this one, it's blood aplenty. Yes. And it is kind of shocking to see. Yeah. Thankfully so. I like it. Yeah. More, more, more. It was too much, what do we call it, at times. I did love this film. I loved it. So I'm just prefacing it with that. But at times it was a bit melodramatic days of our lives. Uh, Yeah. And I'm like, talk more about swords. Well, that's where, do you want a little bit of backstory on the history then? Yes. Um, So this film is an adaptation of uh, the great Bodhisattva pass. So it's uh, it's basically I'm like I'm not even going to attempt to do the that's the tra- English translation not oh, the okay. Japanese uh, a novel that has remained popular since its initial release. Um, so basically, this it, it was like a, a series of novels. So the idea of it being like a soap opera and a drama it was like a serialized pulp series of oh, books, like a Mills yeah. and Boone essentially, but yeah. of samurai stories and. Um, yeah, there were like several, like, yeah, the novel originated as a newspaper serial, uh, which appeared, uh, for three more decades and 41 volumes were published. (laughs) Uh, it was left uncompleted, uh, at the death of its author. So, and it had been made into a film in 1935. Uh, after the war, it was remade again in 1953 and then in 57 and 59, and then uh, in the 60s, Toho was like, you know what, let's let's try and do a modern version of it and things. So it, it was a classic kind of serialized drama series of books. So that's where the kind of days of our lives of it all kind yeah. of comes from. And you know what? I, I say that, but there were, there were aspects where they were talking about the style of... Um, so they were talking about our protagonist's style and how he might not have one. And then we were talking about they, you know, the thrust. And I guess because I'm playing Ghost of Shishima, I'm like, all right, which stance is he going to take? Mm. <laughs> Moon stance? With, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm like, come on, tell what, us more about stance, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but I actually really liked the storyline and honestly how we had like a female character throughout. And I find, look, I'm not going to get on my feminist rant, no, but no. I really loved Yes. I thought she was great. I thought her performance was great. I thought her character was great. And I felt really sorry for her. What a time to be a female. Well, that's like what... Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, we oh. were saying watching this film, like, thank fuck we were alive now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we... she has to depend on this asshole in order to survive. Yeah. Um, because her husband's dead or, you know, he divorced her as well. Like, and then was murdered and then was murdered by the guy that she's now has an illegitimate love child with. Like, oh my God. He didn't even ask her. He just divorced her. Yeah. Like, oh, I feel really sorry for her and you can feel her pain and how she's trying to. So we're, we're getting ahead, but post Mm. that sort of introduction, we cut to two years later and Hammer and Ryonosuke. 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 Uh, living in another town and they have uh, a child together and she's just sort of there. She complains about being poor and that if he worked in a school for samurais... Yeah, uh, it, it's if you're an amazing swordsman, you why are you not a teacher? Why are you not running yeah. a school or something? Instead, you're just a sick, poisoned, evil human being that I want out of my life, but essentially. if I want a life, you're the only one I've got. Yeah, because, like, I mean, I'm fucking destitute, I'm I guess, destitute without it. I'm destitute without you, and... Yeah. Oh, I really loved her character, and I love how much time we got with her. Yes. Um, a lot of these films, it's probably a bit more about the samurai code or whatever, yeah. but we have a lot of more time, and I like them, yeah. I, that, that's like my one complaint for the film, I would say, because it's, th- what, what this section is, it's like the next maybe 45 yes. to 50 minutes, I'd say. It's the bulk of the film is this period of time where, you know, two years later he's living with Hama, the kid, um, but he's also kind of become disillusioned and kind of, he's a drunk, just constantly yeah. on sake. And he works as, like, for this renegade secret police kind of assassin group. Like, vigilantes. Doing and doing assassinations or kills. So, or ba- be basically, because murdering people ain't no thang for him. Yeah. He, he doesn't care anymore. He's so that inert with it. Um, and 
I just wish the film made a more conscious effort to shift away from him at that point. Because, like you said, like, Hama is so interesting. And we start, we get a good enough look into how his evilness and his actions and his life sickens and, like, poisons everyone around him. Yes. And how, it, how his actions affect those around him. Yes. And to me, that's what's interesting about this film. Yeah. And then we go, he goes to the school and meets his sensei, Shimada. Uh, Shimada? And um, you know what that means? Mifune! Yes. Yeah, it is. I do not know when the last time we had a Mifune film was, but goddamn, I miss his gorgeous, manly, manly face. It's so funny because I, I actually have to say I'm pretty proud of myself now. I've been doing this for long enough that I'm starting to pick up on. I knew... Uh, the actor who played the protagonist. I'm like, your face is familiar. I'm like, yeah. yes, it's happening. I'm starting to recognize yeah. this. But yeah, this guy, I'm like, uh. Mifuni, you would probably, because you've, you've seen Seven Samurai. Yes. Um, he Long is, time ago. He's Kikuchio, the like one, cra- the crazy, like the animal <gasps> guy. Yeah. Oh, that, that's him. I love him. Yes. I is... love him too, Chris. Yeah. I And I described him to you like it's, Basically, De Niro to Scorsese, Mifuni to Kurosawa. Yes. Like, they made, I think, 12, 13 films together. Ah. He's a fucking beast of an actor. I love him dearly. Uh, he's he's one of my favorites of all time. I Sploosh. sploosh. I, I have a massive man crush on <laughs> Dishira Mifuni. <laughs> well, I splooshed a little bit at him with that scene, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but the middle pit, I don't know what's going on. I don't know who anyone is or what's going on. It, it's basically a... Like, that's what I... It, that whole... There's a 25-minute kind of stretch where it is showing that he's a br- he's now like you know what where we once saw him two years ago it was like he thought he lived by a code or whatever and now he's just kind of slowly become sickened and poisoned by the evil actions that he does and we kind of see how that trickle the trickle down effect of that onto everyone else but enter this amazing scene with Mafuni where it's and I, I suppose it's all that subplot of he's there to like stalk and assassinate someone and yada 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 yes (laughs) i'm breezing over all that because and it's shimada that's the sin i'm just gonna call him the sensei yeah um just mifuni 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 okay (laughs) mifuni i love how like we don't we don't got horses so we're gonna put you in a box and we're gonna carry you around how much of a sign of respect as well like we're gonna lug you through the snow in a box (laughs) i'm not dressed for that either yeah what did i say it was the witch of the waste box (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) um but yeah then there there's the uh all the guys come and try to get him whatever and our protagonist is in awe when sensei like destroys them all but not just that he he they try to ambush and assassinate him. He escapes the box and then immediately, like, uses reason with them. And he's because he's a good person. He's a so, good samurai. He has a good soul. He says, like, you know, I've not provoked you. This is not a matter of revenge. Speak now. Like, why are you doing this? Yes. Who are you? Apologize for this insult, and you can go. Yes. But they don't. No, they... it's weird though. Like the guy says, "Oh, we've made a mistake. We've made a mistake." But then they attack it's too me. it's too far. It's too oh. late to go back. Oh, kind I don't of really thing. get like, it. But yeah, yeah. Um, and he's it, he just dispatches all of them in amazing fashion in this beautiful, beautifully shot. The snow's falling down. Like yeah. Any samurai scene in in the snow. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. It is beautiful. It's very well shot. And again with the the slow beginning, then the quick uh, one stabby, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about, one stabby kill kind of thing. Um, the Suki thrust. The, the Suki <laughs> thrust. And then, you know, letting it play out and having the back, back seat camera sort of thing and then closing in on the a chopping off of a hand, a slitted throat with the blood splitting out everywhere. and Okamoto chooses his moments of when to cut in and accentuate the violence or the action that's happening. And for the most part, just it's like, no, just observe this. We're essentially in our protagonist. We're, we're in Rian's, Riansuki's kind of shoes, just sitting back watching this, like, holy shit, I yes. thought I was a bad- badass, but, like, look at this dude. And I've got to say, when watching this scene, and we're not going to get to the ending yet, 
But when watching this scene, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for these two to meet in yeah. the future. It's not going to happen in this scene, but there's going to be some sweet ass fight in the future. Gonna leave it there. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, yes. yeah. But I, I was like, this, this scene's here on purpose. Yeah, he is meeting his match, kind of thing. Or... Not, not just that, but it's, it's beautiful that it, it shakes him to his fucking core mm. of like. We haven't seen anything shake this guy. At this no, point. and it's, it's he's not only has he met his match. I think it is a, his core beliefs have been broken. Like the he, he's like to. Rinsuke, like, just the way he lives his life is, like, evil. Just, mm-hmm. like, I'm just... This is what this is. You have to be cold, calculated, stone-faced. Like, that's this lifestyle. And he... To be a good swordsman, that is what life is. And then he witnesses someone who... The first time he meets Mifune, Mifune makes a joke. And the guy just... The st- yeah, at the school. And then the guy looks at him stone-faced, and Mifune's like... Oh, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. Like you. Oh, you're you're a broken person. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. And because he won't battle him. Remember, he's like, no, I'm not even that good at the thrust. Yeah. Well, that's whatever. The, that's the joke. Essentially, yeah. like he's being playful, and it's like I'm a. Let's be a good. Like you know, there's no need to be an asshole. Yeah. Let's just take it down. But then he, he like seeing someone that is like a decent human being be an even better warrior than he is just shakes him. And so it's like, he almost has to then double down on evil. Yeah. And it's, it's so wonderfully encapsulated with Mifune having the line of evil mind, evil sword. Yes. Like if, if you live your life in evil, like your sword will never be used for good. It'll only be this perpetual cycle of evil. That'll keep dragging everyone around you down. And it's yes. super interesting. Summing, summing up his story in a way. And he says something about, First, know the soul. Oh, I can't I've, I've got the quote if you want it. Yes, the quote. That's the quote. Uh, the quote is, the, the sword is the soul. Study the soul to know the sword. Evil mind, evil sword. Yes. That's what it is. And it's, it, it's so, like, that's it. It's, he's basically like, you be a good person and you can use your sword and this training to do good things. But instead, Ryunsuke has just lived his life doing evil, heinous things because that's what he do, and it's what he do. Yeah. Um, I have to say, and I've seen samurai films. I have seen samurai films. I've seen lots of samurai films, not as much as you, Chris. But I have a question. Would you say that it is common, or like, has there been other films, samurai films, where our protagonist is an antihero bad guy? I don't think is antihero the anti-hero wrong word. Antihero is probably the wrong word because, because I would like say your your Jimbo's an antihero because yeah. like uh, your Jimbo is essentially what like was remade as Fistful of Dollars. Like the man with no name is Toshiro Mifune from your Jimbo. Like that you know right. silenty gunslinger like you know comes into town and just does his thing for his own motivate. Like you know, but is not necess- He's not evil. Um, yeah. That's what was so fascinating about this film. It's like our protagonist is... It's essentially like we're watching Schindler's List and we're following Ray Fiennes. Yeah. Like, what? wow. Or Psycho, but from the beginning. Yeah. And you're just <laughs> like, well, this is just... There's no illusions about this guy. He is evil and he sucks, which is why I wish the film had taken a little bit more time to... Especially in the back half where it starts to shift and focus more on those ancillary characters, like those surrounding yes. characters and how they're affected by his actions. Like, oh... I would love for this guy to not be our hero, essentially. Yeah. And I guess, like, he loses interest for me. I'm like, all right, this is him, he, I guess. There's no growth. No. He, he starts an asshole, and I guess the growth is he becomes a bigger asshole. Yeah. But we, <laughs> and more drunk. Like <laughs> We, we, we um, get to spend some time with Omatsu, who is the granddaughter of the guy that he killed on the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. And we follow her journey. Um, when she was at the mountain, she discovered her grandfather's body and a man came along and sort of took her under her wing. He then, for some reason, puts her in a flower shop, like a flower, so like flower, flower arranging shop, which is yeah. like clearly like a prostitution thing. Or I don't think it's, it's clearly, it's just like, it's just run by a very dodgy woman okay. who, who has no qualms in... 
selling off her apprentices willy-nilly. Yes. I mean, I would just take one look at that woman and be like, nah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'll, I'll just keep her. Yeah. Um, but then we spend some time with her madam or whatever it is, and she sends Omatsu to the rich guy down the road who has a mansion, and then because the mansion you think, Yeah, because she thinks she will then make a profit from doing that. and The mansion yeah. guy <laughs> tries to rape her. Uh, yeah, like, this is what I mean. Like, we go off on this tangent, and it's just like, where are we going? Well, that's, it's, it's not, like, having finished the, like, when you're watching it, and you're in the moment, you're like, why are we off on this tangent? But then, kind of coming out of the tail end, having finished watching the film, you're like, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I get why those scenes now exist, because it's the examination of evilness in society. It's, like, showing how, like... You know, if it wasn't for our dickhead protagonist killing her grandfather, it's like the trickle-down effect of, like, how assholeness affects... (laughs) Dickish behaviour trickles... Shit rolls downhill, essentially. (laughs) Yes, and we meet her... Her love interest. I wouldn't even call him that, but... Ah, he's also out to get our protagonist. He's oh, the man. he's the brother of the guy that was killed in the duel at the oh, yeah. Okay, I'm so glad you clarified that because I'm like, who's this guy? Yeah, well, that's like this is why we refer to it as like samurai days of our lives. Yes. <laughs> you killed my brother. I'm coming for revenge. Yes, and, and yeah. I guess there's aspects that I love, like I love Hammer and all that sort of thing. But then there's all these offshoots of it, and I'm like, what? Oh, oh, okay. You're really okay. You're that... All right, but you get... Where? Okay, cool. Um, what? It'd be, it'd be so much better if this was, like, the, the riffing of, like, the Days of Our Lives soap opera thing, but it had, like, you know, the Black Lodge. If it went, like, full Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> Samurai Twin Peaks level. But then we're thinking that uh, Omatsu's fella, Hiyoma, is that how we say his name? Yep. Yep. He's, like, he's on a vendetta to kill our protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, the uncle... He's got a gun, apparently. He's going to kill the protagonist. Like, we're all out to kill the protagonist. Uh, you know, and we're, like, revving up for it. And then we go to um, a geisha house, a tea house. I don't know what it, what, what we'd call it. It's a brothel, it. essentially. A brothel. And Omatsu's working there. And oh, she's wait. become a, she's been sold off into a quarter son. Oh, but have you realised right, yes. we've totally skipped over the hammer? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. This is why it's so confusing. There's so much going on. But... Yeah. Um, Ryunosuke is at home. I don't know what precedes all this, but, but Hama is... It's basically, he's been challenged by, um... The sensei? No, Hiyomo. Oh, Hiyomo. Um, and he's just like, all right, well, I'm gonna go kill this motherfucker, and then I'm just gonna become a wandering ronin again, abandoning you, and she's essentially like fuck you dude yeah <laughs> i'm gonna try and murder you in your sleep because you deserve it yes and he's like what are you doing mad woman it unfortunately backfires and she's just like well fucking just like what are we doing dude you you suck you've poisoned my life kill me now and it's, yeah. it's a kind of it's a beautifully shot scene yes but it's heartbreaking and brutal so yes I think it's snowing. There's a little pond or whatever there, and mm. she, yeah, just pleads with him to kill her. Like, well, he may as well kill me because what life am I going to have without you? That's how pathetic it is to be a female at this time and not place. Just, no, I don't think it's necessarily how pathetic it is to be a woman at that time and place. It's how pathetic it is to be associated with you. That's that's what it is. It's like you you just, you're a fucking cancer. Like, you yes. destroy everything that you come into contact with, and you it withers and dies because you... You have no soul. <laughs> yeah. But I also think that she doesn't have a lot of options without him. That's why she stayed with him for so long. And yeah. she knows either or I'm fucked. So yeah. just kill me. And it, it's that thing of, I guess, if if you kill me and you bail, then at least someone will have, a, a, like, you know, find our child. And it will at least have a chance being separated from the sickness that you've yeah. created. Yeah, like, yeah. Which is why she's kind of comfortable with the... Fucking, I've atoned for my sins, dude. Have you? Yes. Which is such a, like, wonderful little thing to say to him at the end. That, yeah. That scene's fucking great. Mm. That scene's fucking great. There's these little nuggets of amazing set pieces in amongst the and, days of our lives yes. of it all. <laughs> and performances. Um, that actress, I'm sorry, I don't know her name. She's amazing. But so is our lead. He yeah. is amazing. Fuck. 
Um, uh, Michio Aratama. Is that Hama? That is Hama. Yeah. Yeah. She she just oh, it's really interesting because you don't think much of her to begin with, but then she has these like moments and she has a lot of screen time where she gets to really. Like, there's a moment where she's like, well, I'll just kill my son and myself. Mm. And you're like, oh, how could anyone? But she's very, you know, convincing and emote, what, all those things. But, yeah, that end scene where she's like, just kill me. Oh, loved it. That's that's why I wish the film, like, again, I, I hate being one of those people that's like, I, I wish the film was telling the story I want it to tell as yes. opposed to the one that it is. is. I fucking hate doing that and yes. being one of those people. But it, it's to me the more interesting story is how his actions affect those around him, yeah. and if that ended up being shift, the film shifted into the focus on Hama and Otomo and Hioma, like, and how they, you know, were like fuck this dude, right? Yeah, I, I would be way more engaged as opposed to just seeing a guy drink a lot of sake and look wallow in misery. Yes. Yeah. I think it's trying to do that, but for me, for most part, I'm like, who are we with? Where are we now? What is yeah. this person? Were, were they at the beginning? I don't know. All that sort of thing. But yeah, we get to uh, the geisha house and Omatsu's working there. She's been sold off um, and everyone's got their plans to kill him. Hioma is waiting out the front to kill him when he comes out. The uncle's with him. The uncle shows that he's got a gun. Which threw me off. I'm like, gun. Well, yeah, it's it's that whole thing of like, it's the dishonorable fight, and it makes you love Hiyomo even more. When he's just like, no, no, no. If we're doing this, it's like we're doing this proper samurai style. Like, samurai yeah. style. Yeah. Um, but I guess like, when is this set? Eighteen something. Uh, late eight, like a mid mid eighteenth century. So yeah. I don't know. Like yeah, gun, gunpowder's gun around. Gunpowder's in Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that for quite a while. Yeah, I don't know. It was like, whoa. But, you know, I don't know. Um, anyway, so you think, which I don't mind actually, you think, you, you've you got in your head how this is going to go. Yeah. And that's either Hioma or the uncle oh, I or threw the out, sensei yeah. is going to kill it. I threw out to you, like, we're sitting on the couch watching this, I'm like... Who's going to win? Is it going to be Hiyomo or Rinsuke? Like, and let's, like, let's play some bets. Like, where are we going? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to play... I wanted to, like... But I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, there's no sure thing. And I like that. That was cool. Um, but this ending... Fuck me sideways. This ending... Oh, you loved it. No, okay. no, no. Okay. Oh, okay. Not, not the, the actual, last, like, actual ending. <laughs> not the actual ending. <laughs> the, the, the final 10, 15 minutes yes. of... It's essentially like, oh, this is where Tarantino got the idea for the House of Blue Leaves in Kill Bill. Like, yeah, yeah. It is nuts. <laughs> but again, with the Don Quixote, like, I've never seen any films or anything, but I actually went to the opera, like, and, mm-hmm. and all that, and it's hell basic. He's such a foul human yeah. that hell comes up from the depths. And I remember the whole stage breaks down and crumbles and, you know, the opera singing and and then hell just devours him. You are so foul that hell's come up to devour you. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of where I was getting at with that. And I I love the scene where... uh, uh, The the madness as well. Like, yeah. Yeah. Omatsu... Would you say it's madness or is actually some ghosts there? I, I think it's... It's not clear. It's just an it's, opinion. It's not clear, but like no it, right it's definitely his madness has taken hold of him. Ah. Um, in that, because she, he openly says like I I fear the living more than I fear. He's like I don't give a shit about the dead. But then, which is then when it, it like double fault. Like yeah, which is why I think it's like that. You know, yeah. When that first time, I'm like, oh my god, fuck yes, ghosts. Yes. Ghosts in a samurai movie. Yes. But they're they're not ghosts that actively do anything they're just haunting him and making him mad which yeah, is what it, you're it's his at. evil actions and yeah. his like yeah so we're in the the geisha house in Amatsu Arionosuke I'm really trying hard to say it properly mm-hmm. are in a room by themselves and then Amatsu just starts screaming because she's seen a woman and Rionosuke has just killed um, Hama and and then all of a sudden, sh- I love how it's done too. It's not like, ooh, I'm a ghost, yeah. not me. It's like, 
just shadows. Yeah. Just shadows, but they are so well defined that you know. But not, sorry, not just shadows. The sound, the ringing bell, that annoying ringing and, bell. And the wind of the valley the, coming up over the mountain. And, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, amazing. I, I remember the grandfather having that annoying bell. Like, What's with the bell? What's with the bell? No, it was really loud. to scare away the birds before he attacks them and kills them <laughs> and brings them home as a gift for the family. You're officially a cat dad now. I am. I'm, I'm now full on cat parent. <laughs> Madam Fancy Pants has settled in well. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, I loved it because you you could tell who was haunting him. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, ghost. You know, no. The ghosts of Christmas past are here to get you. Yeah. And, but not just that. Like, yeah, that's like fucking awesome analogy to pull, actually. Like, it is, it is like, you know, he's, it's the Marley brothers and everything, like, coming to fuck him up. And instead of Ebenezer Scrooge learning from his past <laughs> mistakes, he descends into full blown madness. Yes. Like, he, it, it's the opposite effect. And he is a fucking rabid dog, just destroying and murdering everybody and everything in sight. Yes. And it, it's an, what an insanely physical and amazing performance by Nakadai where it's, you initially, you could chalk it up to it's a drunk, it's like, oh, he's shit-faced on Saki, but it's like, no, 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 he is unhinged from his humanity. Mm. Like, that's what it is. And it's insane. So this ending that we thought would, which would be this great revenge with the sensei and Hayoma, Maybe the gra- the uncle shooting him. We're like, we've got this all in our head. It's all going down because we've spent so much time in the film working up to this. Yeah. So many conversations and, you know, like it was way too much time. But instead we don't get that. We get this crazy batshit out of the box ending. I don't like the actual like ending. ending but I ending. like I like that he plays with us and yeah, I don't know. I thought it was cool. I liked it. Not very satisfied, though, but... No, and it's... Well, that's... The way... Like, I, I'll get into it soon with the trivia and stuff as to why it just ends on a freeze frame so abruptly. So abruptly. But... Like... Not knowing that trivia knowledge of, like, what was kind of intent and, like, what we'll get into, it, it kind of works me in retrospect in that it's... We, we've built up... It's it's not necessarily satisfying, but it works in an interesting way where it's... You want... We've spent, like, fucking two hours or, like, you know, 100 minutes building up to... It's going to be all of these people who've had their lives absolutely fucking destroyed by this dude finally enacting revenge. But the thing that ends up being the downfall is his own insanity and his own evilness. So that's the revenge. Yeah, it's like they rock up to kill him and they're just like, fucking did it yourself already, buddy. Yeah, which, you're already fucked. Which, and, which is kind of amazing and poetic. And super satisfying for me actually like i it's it's that thing of almost taking pity on that character where it's just like wow you've destroyed yourself evil mind evil sword like you've just gone mm. de- that far down that it, it it's better than seeing our uh, people that are actually good human beings enact revenge on you yeah and also it's different like i mm. i'm glad i've it would have been sweet to watch them get their revenge, but at the same time, it's way more interesting this way. Fucking oath, and I kind of think more satisfying for yeah. me, at least. So, uh, for me, the revenge had with the ghosts and the shadows yeah. turning him mad. That was the revenge. That was it. That was it. And like, they're he's... the people who deserve the revenge, if you think about it. Exactly. Like you know, the revenge happened, and it was through, yeah, like the the evil spirits haunting him of his evilness. <laughs> like oh. it's great. Yeah. So good. It's it's the last twenty minutes of this film made the middle forty five <laughs> way worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, because it it's you know it does really dip there in the middle. Um, Okamoto, I don't know anything about him, so I'm guessing he's established filmmaker at this point. Yeah, he, this is maybe his about fifteenth film, I'd say. Yeah, it's um, just the time, I guess. In that time, you could you could just see. They know. were workhorse directors. They do like yeah. two two films a year, oh. like just kind of churn them out and things. Um, he's got a couple of other ones. I know he got a movie called Kill, or sh- I should say Kill, because it's got <laughs> an exclamation mark. <laughs> Um, and Samurai Rebellion. So he's got, like, a couple of others in Criterion. But I just think it's the time, like, we've watched a lot of movies 
from the past. And they're just like... <laughs> Welcome to Criterion. Uh, <laughs> good bits. Yeah. Not that I'm saying this has good bits. This was a great film, but there, there was a bit of a lull. Yeah. It's just, you know... Ugh. The time. It, well, that's the thing. Like, and it's we've we've sung the praises of the beginning and the end a lot in this episode. And I really, if anyone's interested and hasn't watched this one, I do want to really explain. Like, the middle gets real dull. Mm. Like, it's like almost that thing of like, the, do these few individual great set pieces outweigh the whole? I right. think so, definitely. Yeah. I think there's amazing scenes in this. I think the beginning of this film is amazing. I think the ending is amazing, definitely. Yeah. I think it's it's amazing. And, and really. going on that journey, <laughs> by the time you reach the end, it like, oh, everything kind of yes. comes together and makes because, it worthwhile. Because, you know, now, like, we've watched a lot of these movies now, and there's that lull in the beginning and the ending, whatever. Oh, and yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Well, that's You're why like, I'm very mm, intrigued. There's no payoff at the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I was kind of bummed that this wasn't a uh, look back episode, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that on the next I one. I don't remember so. what I've Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to this show. <laughs> we have to spend 10 minutes before we record looking back on like, oh, fucking what was that movie again? So, is that next episode? Because I yep. need to be pre-warned. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but um, do you have any final thoughts on Sword of Doom before I jump into trivia? Just fucking cool. Yeah. It's the, that first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes are fucking superb. Yeah. It dips for me in the middle yeah. and like, but it overall is definitely worthwhile and a super interesting film. I agree. Beautiful cinematography. Uh, love me some jazz score in a samurai film as well. <laughs> Lots of trumpet and things. Was so, it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Man, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, mm. cool. But uh, we'll jump in. I've got a little bit of trivia on this one. Uh, mainly about the ending. So, uh, the abrupt ending of the film is due to the fact that it was originally intended to be the first part of a trilogy of films based on the lengthy Japanese novel. Um, yeah, the 41-volume historical novel focused on the Edo period in Japan, uh, in Japanese history, uh, when the shogunate collapsed and a new government arose that revolved around the emperor. Um, it was the longest novel in Japan and encompassed... <laughs> a shitload of characters. Oh my mm. god. Oh, well, I, I mentioned most of that anyway. But yeah, so it was originally going to be a the first of a trilogy of films adapting this epic Mills and Boone esque. <laughs> Thank God it didn't. Um, but however, uh, due to how violent the film was, uh, particularly the film's climax, it was decided that the sequels were too violent to film. So they abandoned all future film prospects because of how the kind of backlash on the violence of this one. That's so unsatisfying. I mean, it is a satisfying ending, like we said before, about the rising ghosts coming to get their revenge. But mm. yeah, that abrupt ending, like it's it's annoying because it's not purposeful now. It's annoying because, oh no, we're going to follow this up in number two. Well, that's my question. Would you have enjoyed watching another two no. films? Yeah. With this guy as our dickhead protagonist. <laughs> like, Wandering Cunt, Volume 2. <laughs> like, I don't... I like that he succumbed to his own madness yes. and it ends on a freeze frame of him dripping blood everywhere. And you know he's not... Like, I infer that he's not making it out of there alive. Like, he's... Even if he does, for me... He's, he's broken. He's lost. Yeah. Whatever he does. That, revenge... Even if they killed him, what would that achieve? It's just a cunt. Yeah, so it's, Let him go. Yeah, it makes it kind of... I, I'm not even interested in no. what the sequels would have been. Yeah, so. no. Nah. Um, this is the sixth film to feature both uh, Tatsuyu Nakadai and uh, Toshiro Mifune, and it is only the second, which is not directed by Akira Kurosawa. So those two work together a lot. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, and... Hey, why not? Some absolutely insane trivial trivia. Okay. Jim Jarmusch, uh, amazing filmmaker, uh, has said that the film helped him stop smoking and he would watch it every day until he had, like, broke the cigarette habit. Yeah. What? Okay, so Jim Jarmusch was like, I, I want to... The man who made, a, like, a series of short films and then a feature called Coffee and Cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, wanted to quit smoking, and he was like, I'm going to watch Sword of Doom every day 
as a thing of like, don't have a cigarette, don't have a cigarette, focus in on this, try and unpack this, do that, and then not have a cigarette. I get it because it's so brilliant. That he like just focused in on let's, that. and Let's yeah. get something fucking cool like yeah. to distract me, not because it's got anything to do with cigarettes. Uh, yeah, I, I found it like about just, again, that one sentence is all the info I found on it. And I really hoped, like, I, I imagine it's around the time of like mid 90s. That he then follows up and makes Ghost Dog, Way the Samurai, as like his next film post quitting smoking. Like, yeah, yeah. be interesting. That's one way to do it, I guess. Was trivial he success- trivia. Was he successful? Yeah, he's, he quit smoking. That's amazing. Yeah. And he watched Sort of Doom a fuck ton of times. Jeez, I'm good on one, to be honest. Yeah. Um, well, on that note, we'll move on to the actual Criterion edition itself. Uh, so it's still in print from Criterion as a one-disc Blu-ray and a one-disc DVD. It's also available on the Criterion channel, and it comes with the special features of an audio commentary um, featuring film historian Stephen Prince. That's on the Blu-ray edition, as well as a trailer. And the usual booklet and essays the Criterion usually do. So not a lot on this edition, just pretty sparse. Mm. Have you got a um, tagline for me, Chris? I do. We're, we're ready for this. Have you got yours? You go first this time. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is my one. Hell hath no fury like the sword of doom. Fuck off. <laughs> How do you pull this shit out of your ass? <laughs> Damn. All right. Mine is sword of doom. A story of a samurai with no code, no regrets, and no soul. I like it. I like it, that one, actually. That was good. Mm, yours um, is better, though. I'm very intrigued, though, to see if uh, someone else is going to pick up on the innate evilness of this film. And that is Claire. Ah, yes. What, what, what's she going to think about the oh film? Oh, my God, she's going to be super cute about it. Be going to be like, oh, you know, you know, and have, like, a really nice story. I can I see it now. Though. With the title having doom, <laughs> it, it might, this fight might be a Claire going evil, so... Mm. Let's uh, let's find out what Claire has thinks this film is about. Well, the sound of that music means it's that time of the episode again. It's time for Claire's. What's that movie about? You really do forget it every time. <laughs> Yes, so this week the film is entitled The Sword of Doom. It is a Japanese film from 1966. Ooh, The Sword of Doom. Japanese film. Ooh, 66. Okay. I'm going with Japanese army film. Mm hmm. In like World War II. But ignoring obvious outcomes of that war, just like some espionage, some comradeship. (laughs) Our cat just made a noise. She just (laughs) fell off the shelf. (laughs) Idiot. Um, Espionage and comradeship. Mm -hmm. There'll be some, someone that gets left behind in some kind of, War-based situation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of those war-based situations. I feel like it's war-based situations. Characters, mm-hmm. they're all men because they're in the army. Boring. Yep. What, who are they? They're Japanese men. Um, oh, Japanese men. Hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> That's a weird it's thing to say. Japanese men. Like, so are any of them in planes? No swords. No, they're fighting in the army. They're not in the Air Force. I was going to go with um, suicides, but no. Suicide fighters in the planes? Mm-hmm. No? Okay. Don't worry. It makes me sound like I'm crazy. Anyway, Japanese <laughs> fighters. And then the war ends. The end. Okay, so just a pretty straightforward Japanese World War Two War film. movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So I guess that'll probably wrap us up for this week's episode. Looking at Okamoto's... 1966 film, The Sword of Doom. Uh, We'll be back in a fortnight's time with Lee's first... I think this might be one of the last firsts for you. 
uh, Truffaut. Ah, yes, Truffaut. Uh, you would probably know him as the French guy from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The oh. guy that wants to, like, track and follow and communicate with the oh. aliens. Yes, if you put anything American in front of me, I've probably seen it. Yeah, uh, but he was the creator of the French New Wave and uh, has creator made... Creator of. Yep, and has made a shitload of amazing films. And so this is going to be your first one, uh, Jules and Jim. <laughs> okay, I just want to do a Claire right now. Jules in Jim's. Jules and Jim. Okay. <laughs> You thought there were jewels, like rubies being stuck inside a guy named no, Jim? I thought, like, the lack of jewels in this were going to be made up, but they oh, were in a gym. Oh, jewels! Okay, yeah. I thought you were, Yeah, sorry. I thought jewels uh, was with a J. Like, rubies and diamonds. Yeah. Fun. But, um, yeah, so tune in in a fortnight's time to... Uh, hear Lee's complete and utter dissatisfaction with there being no gunplay or sword fighting in a Truffaut film. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But you can send us an email at thecriterionquest at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, Yeah, send us, send us your thoughts. If you've got any questions, anything, shoot hit us up. It's great. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at CriterionQuest or you can follow Lee's amazing Instagram for the podcast at uh, thecriterionquest on Instagram. Otherwise, we'll be back in two weeks' time. Oh, we should probably shout out the Patreon. We did it earlier. We did it earlier, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks' time with Jules and Jim. Uh, But for this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Lee. We'll see you next time.